Danny J. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here, we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the best life. Yeah. What's up, besties? What's going on? This is Danny J. And this is Jill Coleman, and we're in the Vegas studio. Whoop, whoop. And um, it is very hot outside. Just started. It's like we just went for a walk at 8 a.m., and it was like 95 degrees. I got humiditities, sweat <laughs> dripping down my balls. <laughs> I went to this wedding on Saturday night. And that was like, they played that song within the first like 10 minutes of the wedding. And I was like, wait, this is the song you play at like midnight once all the parents have left. And like, it was wild. Oh my God. Weddings are hilarious. They're so fun. Some people hate them. I love them. I'm like, what's not to love? You get to get dressed up. You get to see your partner dressed up. You get to have a delicious meal, dancing, cocktails. Before I got married, I had actually never been to any weddings or maybe I'd been to less than like three and so I thought that they were boring but here's the thing if any of you were raised in the church I was raised in that's why they don't really do weddings um you get married in in a place where most people can't go and then they have these receptions that are basically a have you I don't know if you've ever been to a reception where they have a reception line no so the bride and groom just stand there and then people just get in line to like give them the greetings so the only weddings i'd ever been to before mine and i was like i don't want my wedding to be like this but i didn't know i didn't have anything to compare it to so now if i did a wedding i'd do it all different but people get in a reception line and they wait to just go like hug the the bride and broom (laughs) the broom and i can't say it whatever the married couple and then you go like there's usually just a, a tray of food and you just pick your food and then you stand around and talk. That's it? Yeah. So it's like a banquet. Yeah. It's so boring. That's wild. <laughs> well, it's funny when I, before I went to weddings like um, out here and just like, I don't know, like even North Carolina, I went to a bunch of weddings when I was like younger, but my family was Catholic. Mm-hmm. So I thought all weddings were an hour long. Like oh, I God, thought you yeah. had to like go to mass. It was like a full on mass. Like I thought that's how everyone. So I was like, oh, like it's going to be so long. And now I go out here. The wedding that we just went to was probably six minutes. Yeah. That was it. I think I think that is the thing. I think the religious ceremony weddings tend to be really longer and boring. And then the other ones are fun. You mean you're yeah. marrying Jesus. You the, better. <laughs> the, last, the last few weddings I've been to have been a blast. But yeah, those ones... I went to one Catholic wedding and it was very long, and, so I, long. and I didn't know the rules of everything. So I'm just following along. <laughs> yeah, you, like, are we not sitting? that hard. Are we like kneeling? What are we it's doing? not that hard to follow along. <laughs> so um, on a much more less jovial topic, um, we got a question about, well, death of a parent. So this is Danny. And if you have, been, have or not been following for a while, um, I lost my mom a little Almost, Almost two, two years. years ago. Yeah, it was in August 2021, which is crazy. And we wanted to kind of give a follow-up because we did a death of a parent episode, and that was really like raw and soon after. And there was a question in the Facebook group or some post about, you know, kind of like what I wish I knew and 
things to prepare for. And I do have some thoughts. Said maybe now that time has passed, this is for Marjorie, maybe now that time has passed, what advice, thoughts, or questions to ponder for someone losing a parent? Mm. So I thought this would be a good conversation to have because we are at that age where we've either lost a parent or we're going to lose a parent very soon, soon being relative, obviously. But, you know, and I hate to be like, prepare yourself because I don't think there's any way you can prepare, obviously. But what do you wish you sort of knew ahead of time, even about the grieving process? Like, yeah. you know, what's normal? What's maybe, you know, what what were you questioning? How did you judge things? You know, sort of all that kind of stuff. And your mom's um, illness went really like relatively quick. Yeah. It was about nine months. Yeah, really fast. From like diagnosis to her passing. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I definitely have a lot of thoughts and it's, I'm glad she brought this up because I was on a walk recently and I was thinking about this because I have had a couple people in my Instagram life and kind of real life lose parents in the last couple of uh, weeks. And, you know, I'm thinking about what I would say to them and, and messages. I'm very careful. And actually this is something like right when someone dies, the messages you get are, can be overwhelming. And some of them are really welcome and some of them are feel heavy and, almost annoying. And so a couple of the things like right off the bat, some of my first thoughts are, um, whenever I leave a message for somebody like going through this, I, I always end it with feel no need to respond Yeah, because I remember there was times where I just felt this, I felt like I needed to say thank you, which also felt terrible because you're like, I'm so sorry for your loss. And then you're like, thank you. And I'm like, that doesn't feel right, but you don't know what to say. Like, what do you say to that? You're just, you just nod your head. Like, yes you are sorry. And I'm also sorry. It's just such an awkward thing. And it's so hard to know the right thing to say. And there really isn't a right thing to say, which makes it even more difficult, but it's, it feels like a lot of pressure when people are giving their condolences and you don't know what to say back. And so that was always, especially if they share maybe a little bit about them losing a parent. Now all of a sudden you sort of feel like you have to like emotionally like console them too, or give something, even a tiny bit of your energy. Yeah. I just, I just sent a message to a friend, um, who lost his daughter, which is even more, I don't know, I can't even imagine, but I just ended it with, you know, no need to respond to this. And he didn't. And I think it's just so hard to say anything back. It's like, and there's nothing you can say. I mean, especially like in the case of a a child that for me, there's no, there's no figuring it out. There's no, like this was supposed to happen. It's just unfair. It's unfair. It's all just shitty. And so I I wanted to validate that. And I'm like, there's nothing I can say. And and you don't have to respond to this. I'm just so deeply sorry. So a couple of things I've been thinking about. One, the grieving process. That actually was very shocking to me. I think that the first few weeks I actually got through a lot better. And and probably looking back, that's just um, shock. (laughs) I think that when, and maybe if you're going through, and this could be, I think, similar whether it's a quick death or an illness that you've been waiting for I think still there's a moment of it's over and you're like is this over and it doesn't feel real until normal life kind of resumes you don't really feel the impact of the missing person until things get back to us kind of semi-normal and I think a lot of people told me that the first holidays would be the hardest and they're like oh you know your first holidays the the Thanksgivings and the Christmases. And to me, that wasn't that difficult. And I think I still was in shock. So she died in August and I had to go on a trip in October. And so there was a lot of things that just came up really quickly. So it was almost like just getting thrown back into life. And so it didn't feel like real life had resumed yet. However, it was around January, January through March, I had a really, really hard time. And 
the only thing I could think of now, and I had text my dad, and I think the realization was that's when all the birthdays were. Mm. So my mom's birthday was in January. Um, my brother's birthday is in January. Sister-in-law is February. My birthday, my dad's birthday, nieces in March. So we all have a lot of birthdays around then. <clears throat> and I had messaged my dad at that time, and he was saying he was having a really hard time too. And I thought that was interesting. And he mentioned the birthdays. And I think that she usually did a lot of things for everyone's birthdays. And there was a lot of stuff around there. And I also think it was given enough time. It was like five, six months. It was starting to really hit. And it's not even the, like the missing of the person. I think Cause you were like, I mean, you would go months without seeing yeah, her and stuff like that. So yeah. it wasn't like she was in your day to day life all the time. Totally. And I think what I didn't expect was I, I thought like I wouldn't be sad because they're not missing someone who's not there all the time. And that's true. Like, but she wasn't there all the time anyway. I think what started to come up was just a lot of old memories and a lot of sadness around what could have been mm. and things that could have changed and things she was missing. So my daughter moved out to Vegas or she actually, this was a year later. So this is even more recent. Um, my daughter moved out to Vegas and you know, there's things that come up and I'm like, man, she really would have thought this was cool. And so things that pop up on just places where I'm like, she would have really loved this. And I went through a f bad funk from at least January to April. And I remember going to my counselor and saying, I don't know if this is grief or hormones or mental illness. And looking back, I think a big portion of it was grief, but I was like, no, it's six months. I should be fine. And, and also now mm. looking back, I laugh at that thinking like, why would I be over it in six months? Right. And more than anything, I think a lot of it was PTSD, honestly, from the entire illness, from when she was diagnosed with the brain tumor to me doing all the take caretaking, I was in such fight or flight mode for such a long time. When she was first diagnosed with the brain tumor, I lost like 10 pounds within I don't know, like two weeks. I wasn't eating for almost two weeks. I was on high adrenaline. When she got home, I was, she'd wake up at two, three in the morning. Um, I had to take her to the emergency room multiple times because her wound was open and, and oozing out. And so there was just a lot of constant worry and constant stress. And every single morning I would get up, go to her room, help her take a shower, get dressed. I would brush her hair. I would help her brush her teeth. I would make her breakfast. And then I'd sit her on the couch, try to let, leave her for a few hours so I could go do work. And that was just so much work and so much anxiety. And then just doing that every single morning was just so sad. Mm -hmm. Like to have her not be able to brush her hair and to help someone through that. Like I had to put on, be strong and do it, but when I think back, I'm like, so freaking sad. And so I think all of that, it was like the layers of what I went through in those, those 10 months with her. It was almost like, um, you know, kind of like adrenal fatigue healing, like yeah. your body is just under stress, under stress. And then you just stop and your body is just like, I don't know what to do with all of this <laughs> extra adrenaline. And so it was like all of this stuff coming up. And I guess I just didn't expect it to come up. I was like, okay, once it's over, it's over, but it's not like your body still hangs onto it. Mm. Your brain still hangs onto it. And then because it's the following year, right? So all these memories of what was happening last year. So March, it was when her hair started falling out. And so March after she died, I'm like, oh, this time last year was when she was going through radiation. This time last year is when she broke her arm. This time last year is when 
she started peeing her pants. And so then it was like all of these last year memories of, you know, who knew I didn't know it was mm. going to be her last year. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. So I really didn't expect the emotional turmoil to last. And, and it's been not even, I'd say, I feel like I'm finally getting through the big parts of it. And that only started probably January, February this year. So it was like a year and a half of that. And it still comes up. Yeah. It still comes up. In fact, earlier in May, we're at the end of May right now, but earlier this month, and it was before Mother's Day, actually, and you reached out to me on Mother's Day, which was really nice. But the week before Mother's Day, I was really struggling because the la- the first week of May was our last like family vacation we mm. took her on. And, and some of my memories in Facebook were popping up around that. And it just made me remember what we were going through, trying to get her to go on this trip and get her on a plane. And she, you know, push her around in a wheelchair and kind of making those, those last memories. And so what I didn't expect was all of the stuff to surface later and to mm. just kind of come out in, I don't know, come out like drops, you know? And I think I expected that grief is about missing somebody and missing their day to day. And if you don't see them day to day, then you can't miss. But it's really, for me at least, it's more about a lot of regrets, a lot of sadness around how it ended, a lot of um, wishing there could be some, um, I don't know, there's just a lot of new things that, like, you know, I've mentioned this, some of my experiences with psychedelics and things I'm learning now that I think my mom could have benefited from, Mm. that her life could have been better if she knew about. I think I've been learning a lot of things about hormones and perimenopause and and now I'm going, oh, my mom was fucking psycho when I was a teenager, but she probably was going through some major hormonal shit. And if she had HRT, like when we talked to Esther and I've been researching a lot of this, I'm like, damn, probably a lot of her stuff was hormones too. Like, yeah, she was crazy, but actually (laughs) that probably was some hormonal shit. And so there's things that I'm learning that just make me look back and I, I'm like, I wish I could tell her now that I understand or I'm sorry. And so there's a lot of that. But I also wanted to talk about the things you don't expect. And and mm. this this maybe is only for, it depends on how many siblings you have. And, and I think a lot of that. But there's a, a gal that I'm friends with on Instagram and she just lost her dad. And she has a couple siblings, but she's kind of the one taking care of her mom now. She's got all the stuff on her shoulders. And I was like, that was kind of me. And the things that were so difficult, the, the logistics that you don't expect mm. that you have to take care of it. Someone has to do it. So it could be the left spouse. My dad did not really do it. It was really more on me. Um, and so if you don't have, an, if your parents spouse, I don't know, well, at some point you're going to lose both of them. Right. So someone's going to have to do this. A child is going to have to do this, whether it's your sibling or you, but you're probably going to have to have these conversations with your siblings. So bank accounts, um, literally everything. I mean, the DMV records to have to fill out forms saying that she's passed so we can transfer her car and shutting down and transferring bills out of her name and making phone calls and having to say it on the phone. Mm so many hard things and you just have to like suck it up and do it and someone has to and I have I have another girlfriend who I grew up with and her mom just passed she lives in Vegas and she's been coming out she lives in California and her mom lived in Vegas she has to come out every weekend to go through her stuff in her house so someone has to go through all of their things sell it 
get rid of it, process it. And it's like that stuff, I don't think people know about enough and don't talk about. It's like losing the person is one thing, but you have to deal with all of their shit, all of their legal stuff, if, if they have a will or not. And so if I were to give any kind of advice, and Jeff and I have done this with his parents, we've been really pushing them about their will, make sure everything's like wrapped up legally. We were really lucky with my mom in that we she was diagnosed with a brain tumor and she was doing decent for a few months after. So we got our shit together. Like we went and made a trust. We got a lot of paperwork done that we needed to between her and my dad and even stuff like power of attorney for medical. Yeah. So those kind of things, I would ask your parents, like, do you guys have a power of attorney? If you are unable to make decisions like you have a brain tumor or something happened or you're unconscious, who's making those decisions for you? Cause that's very, very, very important. And you need to have a backup person. So let's say it's your, your mom is your dad and your dad's your mom. Well, if they both, well, if one of them dies earlier, or if they, let's say they're both in some kind of car accident, who's going to be the one making those decisions. And those are fun conversations to have, but they really need to be had before because it makes everything so much easier after. Um, I had another friend who lost her mother last January and, and she and her siblings were fighting over the burial Mm. and what was going to happen. And so it's like, well, who's paying for the burial? And then they were arguing whether she was going to be cremated or buried and where she was going to go. And her mom didn't have anything written. Funerals are so expensive. And I had no idea the cost of what that would all look like just a headstone alone, a tiny little headstone we got, like the size of my laptop was like $2,500. And it's just like, that's just one small expense. The caskets are like $3,000 to $20,000. And then the plot that they're buried in is thousands of dollars. So you could easily spend twenty, thirty thousand dollars, and if you, if that's all on you, or you're splitting it with siblings, like you need to have the conversation. So these are things that, if I were to just give any advice to anyone whose family member's dying, is one, you know, spend as much time as you can. Like that's, you're not going to regret that time. The one thing I'm really proud of myself is that last year, even though I took off so much work and that was really tough, I am really proud of how I helped her through those transition um, months. And the other thing I would say is have the conversations about logistics before, if you can, if they're, if you're able, um, ask what they want, you know, do you want to have a burial? Do you want to be cremated? Do you care? Cause sometimes they're just like, I don't care. I'm dead. But, <laughs> but the family members left are like, no, I can't right. do that to them. I right. can't do that to their body. So you need to have like, those are real conversations to have and they're not fun, but, and you need to have those conversations with your partners. And, and I think that's been brought up for me is, you know, I'm like, okay, when I die, this is what I want done. And you know, here's how I want it handled. Even the stuff like DNR, like do not resuscitate. Do you want to be saved at any expense or if things aren't looking good, they let you go. So my mom was very, and I was so glad she told us this. She was very adamant about having a DNR. And that last week before she passed, she went to the ER and the doctors called us and basically said she had, (laughs) he told us about these two tumors and he was speaking in a language I didn't understand. He's trying to explain. I'm like, I don't know what this means. And then I just said, how much time does she have? He said, well, she has three hours to three weeks. I was like three hours, like what the fuck? 
But he goes, do you understand she has a DNR? And I said, yeah, I do understand. And he said, well, we can keep her here and we can manage this, but she will pass from it. She'll just, it might keep her here longer, like a month. And that's when I was like, no, let's bring her home. Because I know she doesn't want to be just staying alive to stay alive for a couple extra weeks. There's also still like COVID a little bit too. Yes. Yeah. Which we complicated wouldn't, we wouldn't, Yeah. We wouldn't have been able to go in and see her. And so that was a hard decision, but it was, it made it easier knowing her wishes and knowing that she didn't want to just be dying in a hospital and just staying alive for, you know, six, extra, yeah, for six weeks, weeks instead of three weeks, you know, it's like what quality of life, right, right. but some people would, some people, and that's their decision too, because I don't know, like miracles happen and things happen and they're like, I'm going to just hang on as long as I can. So I was glad we had the conversation we knew. And so I had to get right with that too. There was, you know, my brother and I, there were some times where my brother and sister-in-law, they were like, why won't she fight? Why doesn't she push, you know, harder? And I was like, this is her decision. This this is her life. And she doesn't, she doesn't want to do another surgery, which she didn't. And I don't, I don't blame her. That surgery was tough. She never really recovered from it. And to do another surgery to maybe extend more, but to go through the pain of brain surgery was, I don't think it was worth it. So she had to have her autonomy and make those decisions. And so I think it's really important to have those conversations with your parents before they get sick or before anything happens. But if they are dying already, then how do you want things split up? How do you want things to go after your passing? Because you're going to have to deal with those logistics anyway. You're going to go through the grief in your own way, however that looks, whether it's like, like me, you're fine. And then you're going through a space of like depression and then you come out of it or you just go into a funk or you don't ever, I don't know. I think, I think some people handle it great and they just, you know, they, they're not crying and they're, they're all right. Um, however you handle it, you're going to process that in its own way, but the logistics are not going to change. You're still going to have to deal yeah. with that. And you're still going to have to deal with family members being fucking weird. And this was something else that I would, um, just, just warn you about people process in such different ways. And so this, this girl I've been talking to who lost her father, her siblings are just like being so bizarre. They're not stepping up. They're not helping mom. They're acting like everything is fine. And I have to have like, and, and Jeff was really great about this during us. He was just like, my dad did some weird things. My aunts and uncles did some weird things. He's like, everyone's grieving. Like no one's, <laughs> no one's normal around here. So we're like, we're going to give people grace. It is very, very difficult. The, one of the things that still makes me angry, but I, I also step back and know that this was their way. The week my mom was dying, she was basically in a coma. She was in the living room on a bed. And I remember the nurses said that the last thing to go is their hearing so they can still hear you. Well, my dad had some friends over that came to visit my mom, but they decided to put on this movie. And it was, they've got speakers in the ceiling, their surround sound, there's a speaker right above her bed. And he's blasting, and it's like, I don't know, I don't know if it's Star Wars or what it was, but it was this loud, like, action movie with just, like, explosions. And I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Why are we watching a movie in the room where she's laying here so loud? I was so angry. I had to leave and just take this walk and scream. I was so, so mad. But my instinct was to just yell at him, but I'm like, I don't want to yell at him in front of her because she's going to hear this while she's Mm. dying and she doesn't need to be stressed out about why I'm upset with the family. So there was just this, I just thought it was bizarre behavior. I'm like, why don't we have some respect and honor and just like have the like nice music playing and let her just be. 
but I think that was his way of avoiding and trying to just be normal. And so, you know, it's like he was dealing it the way he could, he could handle it. And, and people do some weird stuff. Yeah. They do some really weird stuff. They say some weird things. They, they behave very strange and you have to give people yourself- don't feel uncomfortable. People feel uncomfortable with emotions for the most part. Yeah. Right. And so then you have, they're like, obviously this is a high emotion time, but they don't know how to handle it. So they do say some things that you're like, that's not appropriate right now. But I get that. Like, that's just like, you don't know what else to say or how else to handle it. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, it's so awkward. And even literally my cousin came over, my cousin and my aunt came over like literally the last moments of my mom's life. And my cousin just kept talking to my brother about business and asking him questions. I'm like, now is not the time to catch up. Like she's having her last breaths. And, and then we kind of stopped that conversation and we played some music and like her last moments were really beautiful. But I was kind of like, can you just leave? Like, what the fuck are you doing here? Why? It was so awkward. And I was just like, are you not aware of the situation right now? Yeah. So I, you have to really watch your own emotions, I think, because I could have really flipped out and started screaming and I was like really holding in the rage. (laughs) Um, But also to be compassionate towards other people's experience and how they share it. And there's going to be some things that you're just like, what the fuck? Why would you do that when someone's dying? Right. And everyone just, nobody knows what to do. And they will just do things, say things that just seem so bizarre and you just have to realize that that's their processing too. Yeah, it's so hard not to judge it because you're you're going through your own stuff. But I remember my my uncle passed, my dad's brother, and my cousin was really upset about my parents being there. And my my mom and dad were like, you know, your cousin Mike, he was so mean. He didn't want us there, and he's just so angry. And I was like, because he was losing his dad. You know, I said he doesn't he wasn't mad at them, but I'm like, he was going through his own stuff and he didn't want other people around. I'm like, I get that. We had other people around and this was like a year and a half later. I'm like, I get it. No wonder (laughs) he was pissed at you guys. Like you want to be with your dad dying and not worry about your aunts and uncles being there and being stupid. And I'm sure I like, I really understand that. So especially if it's your parent, I think you have even higher emotions around who's there and, and all of that. So totally. Yeah. All of that to say, I think you can't prepare. Um, you don't know how you're going to feel. Like I thought I would. I thought I would know how I would handle it. And I definitely handled it way different. Um, definitely took it harder than I thought I would. I actually, somebody messaged me on Instagram and she said, you know, I thought you and your mom weren't really close. What? Because I posted something about anger and grief. And that was one piece I really didn't expect. I was really angry for a lot of things. Um I was angry at what happened. I was angry at the past. There's just so many emotions you can't explain and you don't know why. Like, and yeah, I wasn't close with my mom. And part of the anger is about that. Part of the anger is like, why did things have to be the way they were? Part of the anger is like, why couldn't we fix some things? And why did I get stuck having to take care of her? And, and, Mm -hmm. and then also at the same time feeling immense gratitude for it and feeling guilty about it. And so it's really hard to explain especially if you weren't close to your parent, because you, I used to think, and I remember in my twenties, I had even said that I was like, if my mom died, I wouldn't care. Like I was pissed at her. I hated her. And we have come such a long way and we healed a lot, but I realized how much that still wasn't healed. Um, I still feel like 
there was a lot of anger that my grandma is still alive and that my mom wasn't. I felt like that wasn't unfair. There's just a lot of things that you just don't expect. And you're like, wow, that's an interesting feeling and thought that came up. And I definitely thought I would handle this different, but you just can't explain what grief is going to do. And I think even the same, you know, with my ex-husband, I think grief was a big piece in getting divorced. And there was a lot of emotions and, and feelings that came up that I didn't expect to feel. And that lasted a long time. I think it took me a good two years to really get through that. And I think that when we try to put a timeline on it, that's when we end up really feeling worse. I think it takes a lot longer than we expect. And I would say, <laughs> if you're trying to put a timeline on it, give yourself five years. And then if you're, if you give yourself five years, you're going to be probably more, that's probably more like it. Is the goal to move on? Like, so for example, I know someone who lost their dog like yeah. a couple of years ago and like I've never lost I mean I can't even like think about losing my puppy without like tearing up but she hasn't really moved on mm. is there a time at which like because my whole thing is when you say give yourself five years what does that look like does that look like I'm back to I'm you know back to normal life and then every once in a while grief like pops up and you're like oh this is still here yeah. or are you still not back to like quote-unquote normal life I don't think you ever get back. I think, and I think it depends on the loss, but I'm thinking particularly about, yeah, I'm going to cry again, but my, uh, my baby daddy, <laughs> his mom, Sandy, she lost her daughter to cancer when she was 20, my friend Kelly. And it was Kelly's birthday last week. And every year I try to text her mom just to say like, I miss her and just to recognize that someone notices that Kelly's gone. And it's been, she died in 2004, so it's been almost 20 years that she passed away. And Sandy responded that today was a hard day for her. And some, some years she's not having a hard day, some days she is. And I feel like some losses you just don't get over. Like you, you get on with your daily life and Sandy's not crying every day and missing her daughter. But I think there's some things you're like, it's never okay that this person left, you know? And so yeah, my mom, like you expect your parents to die before you. And at some point I'm going to, I think at some point I'm, I will be at peace with it. And I, I'm generally at peace with it. I, I feel like she, like I look at some friends who've struggled with cancer for years and years and years, and then they pass. And I'm actually really glad that her, her time suffering was short I still think it's sucky. I think I still think she should have had more years, but all that being said, I, I think it just ended how it should have ended. I, I'm glad she didn't suffer. For, I'm glad she's not in a home for the next 10 years, you know, but as far as like going back to normal, like putting finger quotes, I don't think there's a normal again. I think there's just a new life and you learn to live with that in the back of your mind. Um, you know, a dog is tricky. It's funny you say that because I remember during the pandemic at some point, <laughs> I started crying about Peanut to, to Jeff Aww. and she had been dead for about two and a half years. And I was like, I just miss my dog. <laughs> I think I was very hormonal, but there's, you know, and now today, like I still miss my dog. There's sometimes I'm like, I wish Beasley could meet Peanut and Baloo. I, yeah. wish, I wish he could meet my old dogs, but it's not that heavy sadness anymore. So I think what like the five years is you do, I, I think the, the healthy way, I don't even know. I don't think that honestly our brains could handle five years 
10 years of heavy, heavy grief. I think it's like a, a wound that heals and then there's a scab and then like you could pick the scab and it's still bad. And then like eventually that scab heals up and then there's always a scar. So I think that the scar is always there and you can look at it and go, oh yeah, I remember when I cut myself or hurt myself and you can go back to that feeling mm -hmm. if you want to, mm -hmm. but it doesn't necessarily, like, if you touch it, it doesn't hurt anymore. It's not bruised. It's not raw and sore. And so I think that, you know, I don't know about this person with the dog, but hopefully they're not still really deeply sad on a daily basis and like walking around the house crying years later. If they are, I think that just you need to like do some therapy and maybe EMDR or something around that. Mm -hmm. But I don't think you go back to normal in big losses. I think there's always a piece of you that remembers that person, that pet, the friend, whoever, because it's just such a big part of you. And a sibling or a parent, I think are two that even if you didn't have a good relationship, and this is also the piece that, that I really feel, even if you don't have a good relationship for me, what was so hard is that even though my mom and I missed a lot, I think there's the grief that we didn't have a good relationship yeah. and that now we don't have a chance to. And two, that this is the person who's known you your entire life. So my mom knows things about me that I don't know, right? Like yeah. my first three, four years of life, she could tell me stories about me as a kid, but I don't know those stories. This is a person who knows you better than you know yourself. Yeah. And that just have known you the longest. Like you, you know, you and I have been friends. We've known each other almost 10 years now. And like those friends who've known you through hard things, like you feel so close because you're like, you knew me when I was at my lowest. You knew me when I was, your parents are the only ones who have literally known you through every stage of your life before you were even born. And your siblings, like the siblings for as long as they were alive at the same time. And you have that, that cross. Those are the people who have just been with you through whatever. And they like, and I think siblings are another one. Like I, I can't imagine losing a sibling, but, um, it's like, they knew your parents too. And they knew the parents, the way that you know, your parents and how you were raised and you have these stories. And so I think those losses are so different and they, they're so deep because of the long lasting relationship. Mm -hmm. And like I said, even if it wasn't a good relationship, even if you had a shitty relationship with your mom or your dad, there's some part of you, like you're 50% of your mom, you're 50% of your dad. There's some part of you that is either, if you lose them and you didn't have that, it's like, now you never get that. And so you're also grieving them being gone and you're grieving the fact that you never got to be close or you didn't get to have that either resolution or maybe you didn't get to have that last fight or have it out, or maybe you just never understood them and you just feel like there's something missing because you you never got that understanding of who they were. Yeah. So I don't know. I think it's a, I think it's a really tricky one. Um, I think it's grief is way more complicated than I originally thought. <laughs> um, actually on this right behind me, these library books, I've got a bunch of, uh, different grief books and I've been reading different people's experiences in it. And while people do process it different, there are obviously like they have the stages of grief, right? So there's things that are kind of normal and I think the anger is normal. The shock is normal. I think we tend to do things to um, numb out. Like, I don't know, as far, as far as my divorce, like I know I was drinking a lot and doing a lot of things to distract. I think where it can get tricky is if you find yourself like living in distraction or finding yourself down addiction because you're trying not to feel it. I think finding some kind of somebody to talk to or counseling or something could be really important if you mm -hmm. feel like maybe like your friend where you're just, you can't get out of it. Yep. So, but I do think that 
time heals. You know, um, I have a friend of mine who lost her husband about three years ago and she just made a post this week that she said she was never open to falling in love again. You know, she was like, there's no way the thought of another man made me yeah. sick. And then, and then this week she said, I used to think that she's like, but I'm starting to be open to the idea of love again. And I was wow. like, wow, that's such a big step. Yeah. So I think that we do move on quote, move on, but I don't think you move on meaning like that person never existed and you forget about them. I think that they're always there, but you just learn to live different now, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really good. I'm just so grateful that you shared your, you're sharing your experience because I think we had Christina Rasmussen on the podcast and she, um, what's her book's name? It's like, it's called second first. Dear. Oh yeah. I think it's called second firsts. Um, and she kind of said something similar to where like grief is nonlinear and all of these things, but we kind of assume, or at least I do, I kind of assume it's like breaking up with a, in a relationship. You're like, you grieve for a time, you cry to your girlfriends and then you like eventually move on. And like, yeah. you know, you might even get to the point of like thinking, you know, that person you're like, Oh, I wish them the best or whatever difference is obviously they're still here, Yeah. but it's, so it's definitely not nearly as linear as maybe that would look like, you know, cause when it's a relationship, it's like, yeah, maybe it does last. Like you had mentioned maybe a couple of years, but it's also like, you could tell every day it's getting better. Every month it's getting better. You know yeah. what I mean? So I think it's just good to talk about that. And the logistics piece too is, is massively important because it's hard because you don't want to have those conversations until it's too late almost, you know? So yeah, it's, it's definitely just good advice. And I'm just so grateful for you sharing your journey and with all the listeners. And it's just like, it sucks because we are in this time of our life where like, this is an inevitability for most of us, you know? So it's nothing you really want to talk about or think about, but it is good to just, I don't know, maybe have a little bit more preparation ahead of time, at least like know what you're in for to know what's normal, maybe what's not normal, stuff like that. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing too is uh, to not put too much pressure on yourself, like Mm. the first year after, maybe even the first two years after. Uh, Someone had told me that and I was like, I'll be fine, you know? And I think too, sometimes when you know someone's going to go, like my, my grandfather, my mom's dad, we knew he was dying and it's even interesting even when you know someone's dying when they finally do you're still not ready right i think you're like you're you think you're mentally prepared and then you're just like oh the reality of it is very different so i think there's a lot of things you could do to just mentally prepare but you're not you still don't know how you're going to react and all of the things you know like the holidays you don't know how you're going to feel the mother's days you know some mother's days are more difficult. Some Mother's Days might be okay. You know, some Christmases might be good and some Christmases might be hard. And those are things that you just navigate as you go and you, you figure it out. But I think that you do just have to give yourself a ton of grace mm. and just not have any deadline on when you're supposed to be quote over it, you know? And, and I, I feel really sad for my dad, honestly, because I think he's, you know, the men in his generation don't, don't feel their feelings. They're not allowed to cry. And I know he's really struggled and I know he's struggled and he's, he messaged me a few times and he's like, it's been harder than I thought. I'm like, yeah, this is your wife for 42 years, you know, and they're just gone. It's a person that's out of your life. And even if they didn't have the best relationship either, that's someone who's always there, who now is no longer there. I mean, that's like your pets, right? It's like, they're Mm -hmm. always there and then they're gone. And we just don't expect us. Like, I, I feel like pets are an interesting one. You don't think that a little animal is going to just break your heart so much. You're like, how can this little dog 
who doesn't say anything and they're gone and you're just heartbroken over it but it's there's just that always being there and so losing a spouse too that person who's always around mm. it's like it's a big deal mm. so to lose to lose someone who's close to you a partner a spouse a sibling a parent those are very unique relationships that are i think challenging a, a child you know like those really close ones are really hard and shit i mean if i, I i've never lost a child and I would say give yourself 10 years on that and, and yeah. more, you know, like yeah. Kelly's mom, she's yeah. been 20 years and, you know, I'm sure she always thinks about that. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine not thinking about how old your child would be yep. at this point. Yeah. So, wow. Yeah. So well, anyway. thank you for sharing. And this is a good episode. I'm glad that we did it. Thanks Marjorie for the question. Um, I know you said that you've been thinking about maybe doing a kind of a follow-up cause we did that one, like sort of right after your mom passed. Yeah. So appreciate your sharing and just, um, you know, just any insight that you offered. So you're the best. Thanks y'all. Love you. Um, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for your time and attention. And, uh, hopefully you found this episode useful and uh, we will see you on the next episode. Bye guys. Bye guys. Bye.